Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern. Excited to be with you this week. Next week, I've got a couple of guests on. Yay! How about that? Uh, next week, Leonardo De Filippis. He is the founder of St. Luke Productions and has done a number of those one-man shows and now oversees the production of one-man or one-woman shows that happen across the country and really, frankly, I think, um, across the English-speaking world. Uh, amazing performances of various saints in our time. And in particular, this the one that... Um, Leonardo will be talking with me about is about Father Tolton, who is a um, who is a, um, an African American priest and ha- lived an amazing life in um, in the last century. And I've had on the uh, the the person who um, portrays who who does the portrayal of Father Tolton, and and this time I'll get a chance to talk with Leonardo about that, which is really cool. The second is um, Father John Ricardo. So if you enjoy Christ is the Answer, I think you're going to enjoy the interview I'm going to have with him. So Father Ricardo has been on my program several times through the years, and I'm excited to connect back with him. Um, He is an amazing, uh, just holy priest of God, but an amazing teacher of the faith, and someone dedicated to the renewal of priests, which is so desperately needed today. So don't have the the dates dialed in yet, but stay tuned. Okay, it is Holy Week. Let's pray, and then we'll dive into the theme of the program today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, Heavenly King Jesus, Mighty Warrior, we thank you that you entered into this world in order to set us free from sin. Lord, we ask that you would truly bless us, bless this program, that we will glorify you in all things, that we will honor you first in our lives and above all in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the divine initiative, for the way that you uh, you come first. You knock on the door of our hearts Thank you, Lord, for never giving up on us. We make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I'm excited to to dive into this program. For those of you that missed the program yesterday, go to mycatholicfaith.org or or just subscribe to my podcast, the Dr. Tom Curran Podcast, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can do that on mycatholicfaith.org. I talked about a theme that showed up in The Divine Project by Cardinal Ratzinger, a very powerful and beautifully articulated way in which the sacraments show forth the relationship between the encounter with Jesus Christ and the concept of receiving, the concept of receptivity. And I know that that word isn't maybe that common, but recept- when you think of the word receptivity, think, for instance, the first joyful mystery, the Annunciation, is the way in which Gabriel, the archangel, was sent by God, divine initiative, sent to the Blessed Mother, specific person at a specific time in order to accomplish a certain mission, broke into her uh, into her life. Traditionally, it was while she was praying. That's the way that it is artic- artistically depicted. So in that moment where she is available to the Lord in prayer to commune in conversation with the Lord, the Lord sends an angel, a messenger, and says to her that she has been chosen to be the mother of the Messiah, the mother of the Son of God, the mother of Jesus. And she says, fiat, let it be done to me according to your word. Let it be done to me according to your word. L- listen, to the, listen to the phrasing there. Listen to the, the, the voice of the verb. It's a passive voice. Let it be done to me. It's called the divine passive. It's the Lord who's taking the action. She is actively receiving, actively receiving. To receive from God is an active thing. She 
has the openness and the capacity to receive the divine initiative in her life. And the Lord is conceived in her womb and comes to birth in the world. That dynamic, that way of understanding not only the incarnation, not only that moment of the Annunciation, but in a broader sense, introduces us into the dynamic of discipleship, where we, first of all, as it relates to God, are recipients, are receivers. And so Cardinal Ratzinger, in his book, The Divine Project, talks about how we are recipients, we are receivers in the sacraments. We don't confer sacraments on ourselves. We are receivers. And in the reception of the sacraments, we're receiving this encounter with Jesus, which is personal and transformative. It's intimate and it's life-giving, this encounter with the Lord. And that theme has bigger implications. It has even more widespread implications than maybe at first as, as, as beautiful as, as what I just said is, it goes deeper. There's more. There's more to this. Yesterday on the program, I focused and I honed in on the, on the concept of receiving Holy Communion and the way in which we're called upon to be ready to receive, right? That we are, what is received is received according to the mode of the receiver. Jesus is coming with transformative grace, fills us to overflowing, and we're called to be in a state where we expect, have that expectant faith that amazes Jesus. Lord, I'm not worthy to have you enter into my roof, but I say the word, my soul shall be healed, and also deserve. That is, we're in a state of grace. We don't want to have an unworthy or sacrilegious reception of Holy Communion. We don't want to have a casual or irreverent reception of Holy Communion. We don't want to be ungrateful as because we are unaware, unconscious, or uninformed with regards to who it is that is coming to us, not just what it is that we're receiving. We're not just receiving communion, that we're just. We're not just receiving a symbolic representation of Jesus that looks like bread. No, we're receiving Jesus' whole and entire body, blood, soul, and divinity. And so there is a recovery that's happening in this moment of the church's life. Thanks be to God for it. A recovery of reverence, a removal of being casual when it comes to being present at the sacred liturgy, the holy sacrifice of the Mass. But there's also a specific recovery of the divine presence of Jesus Christ at Mass, the high priest, who's altar Christus, the other Christ, the one who is there as the, in the in the in the person of the priest is the high priest Jesus Christ himself operating but that it also is impacting how people are present so we're seeing it seems to me a recovery of dress that is fitting and suitable for an event that is sacred so we see people dressing less casual dress we see um, women veiling, women wearing veils, not just at traditional Latin masses anymore, but we see that overflowing into um, the Novus Ordo, masses in English. We see it in an increased uh, reception of Holy Communion on the tongue. Uh, people are moving away from receiving communion in the hand. And we're even seeing some churches where priests will bring out kneelers, individual kneelers, to uh, be next to them or uh, there with them when they're giving out communion for people who would not only want to receive on the tongue, but to express in a bodily gesture an even greater act of humility, of lowering oneself to the act of condescension, to the lowering of oneself that Jesus shows in coming among us as Holy Communion. We would like to lower ourselves even more by kneeling as we receive Holy Communion. My wife Carrie was visiting my daughter Mary Grace down in Newburgh, Oregon, and when they went to Palm Sunday Mass together, she noted that. She said that this priest was identifying several themes. He was, um, uh, he was speaking with a degree of fervor and urgency about 
the importance of receiving Holy Communion only when you're in the state of grace. And if you're not in the state of grace, go to confession, but do not come forward to Holy Communion if you're conscious of having committed a mortal sin. In other words, this is a holy action and you want to be properly disposed, ready to receive the Lord um, who is disposed to give himself to us. And then during communion, he brought out a kneeler so that people could kneel and receive Holy Communion on the tongue. And this is this is a Mass in English. This is not uh, traditional Latin Mass. This is the Novus Ordo. This is the Mass in English. And you, you see that even here in Spokane at the cathedral, uh, F- uh, Father Connell and uh, Bishop Daly uh, supporting this and, and, and uh, advancing this gesture of allowing um, the members of the cathedral, the, the, the parishioners and those who are visiting, when they come forward to receive Holy Communion, to have a kneeler, and, and they can kneel. And then at the, at the parish where um, we attend, uh, St. Mary's, that's Father Lewis's parish, sure enough, there are a number of people, when they come forward to receive Holy Communion, they kneel down. They kneel down and they receive Holy Communion on the tongue. And, and this is a fascinating shift, I think it was probably seven or eight years ago, maybe then. Uh, I was a member at St. Vincent de Paul Parish, and uh, a priest that we dearly admire uh, was giving out communion, and there was a, a, a parishioner, not a parishioner, I think a visiting person. He might have been a parishioner. In any case, he was there during uh, a daily Mass, and he knelt down to receive Holy Communion from a kneeling position on the tongue. And he was, uh, he was not given Holy Communion. Um, he was told to stand up to receive Holy Communion. And you can see how that, there's just this, uh, call it undulation, right? Sort of like a wave, right? There's this, there's this, or a pendulum swing. And it definitely feels like uh, my life, my life as a Catholic when I was old enough in my early teen years and I, I became active in, in my parish, uh, it was when they introduced uh, extraordinary ministers of the Eucharist, where lay people were giving out Holy Communion. And, and then there was giving out Holy Communion in the hand. And uh, then there were women altar servers. It, it feels like the pendulum is swinging back. It feels like this time of experimentation around the way in which we ought to foster a sense of greater participation and a lively understanding of what's happening at the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. If we look at the fruits of it, it's hard to identify significant positive fruits from these swings of the pendulum. If, if we count these swings in terms of the number of active Catholics, when we take a look at the belief in the presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, even among those who are active Catholics. So it's it's a pretty striking thing. It's a pretty striking thing to say, by your fruits you'll know them, did it work? And I'm not saying there's a direct cause and effect here, but there is there any kind of correlation between them? It's it's uh i think it would be hard to say that deeper eucharistic devotion resulted from these introduction of these practices um so it, it it's a bigger it's a broader question but let's move forward let's move forward and talk about this theme of uh this theme that shows up in the sacraments that the encounter with the lord comes at his initiative and an encounter means it's something that was going to literally change the direction of our lives and transform our lives, and we do so by being uh, uh, receivers, by being receivers. And this brings up the theme of receptivity, receptivity, which is a capacity to receive. I'm going to share with you a teaching that I learned way back in 1984, 1985, that's a long time ago, from one of the holiest priests, philosophers, spiritual directors that I, uh, I've ever met in my life, Father Mark Noonan. And he developed this theme of receiving as having four levels. And these four levels of receiving mature in our lives as we grow. So there are different ages and stages 
connected to this theme of receiving. And they correspond to going deeper in our spiritual life. So get ready. You're going to hear a teaching that you've never heard on the radio, on a talk, any place else. I've never read it in a book, but it is beautiful. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. Great to be with you today. So here we are. It is Wednesday in Holy Week, and I am sharing with you about this theme that if you can take it in, it'll change your life. It'll change your life, and it also prophetically critique the use of computers, smartphones, smart TVs, the way in which the utilization of these devices has a deleterious, a diminishing effect. It's an effect that diminishes our capacity to receive from God. That's a pretty striking claim. And you're going to watch it unfold as I share with you this incredible teaching I received back 35 years ago, longer, 38 years, yeah, 39, almost 40 years ago, 30, yeah, a lot of years ago. And I have lived into these teachings, and I'm so grateful to God. One of the great gifts that God gave me was this teacher, spiritual director, um, holy priest of God on the faculty of St. John's Seminary College in Boston. So he talks about this development of the theme of what does it mean to receive? And and he says that there are these four stages. The first stage is the stage when you when you're just a young person, just the youngest of, of, of kids, and there's a neediness. There's there's an expression of receiving that is a neediness. So this is a uh, it's a level that is a broken level. It is a level that is connected to selfishness, and it is in the simple words, receive me, receive me. Now, this is a, a, let's call this an infantile or a juvenile form of receiving, and it is one that, unfortunately, can still accompany us throughout our lives. It's the needy desire to be accepted. Receive me. And, and you see this, right? You see this, you encounter this with people who will insert themselves, actively put themselves forward as a desire, as expressing a desire to be found accepted and acceptable. Receive me. And he says that that's something that we grow out of, and we grow out of it into a healthier first level of receiving. And that is at the level of an action. The action of receiving. The action of receiving is when you say to somebody, hey, you did a good job right there when you were uh, when you got up and delivered when you spoke that poem that you memorized when you you know got up in front of the class and said what you said or when you uh, when you were uh, uh, out on the on the court and you, and you made that play or or that dinner that you made you know or what a nice job you did helping to to serve at that event some action. And, and what people will often will say is, no, 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 don't say that. Don't say that. No, that's not true. Don't, don't. And, and so there's a reluctance, a hesitancy, or an incapacity to just accept the compliment. You know what I mean. You know that there are people that are like that. So he's saying the first basic healthy level of receiving is when you have the capacity to accept an affirmation, the capacity to receive someone's positive assertion spoken towards you, a positive gesture that was stated towards you, and you receive it. And so sometimes you'll hear people say, just receive it, just say thank you. And that's the action of receiving, is when someone makes that initiative, takes that initiative towards us, and we just say, thank you. Hey, you did a really good job with that. 
Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you. It's not the needy, throbbing sense. It's just, it's the, the authentic sense of saying, thank you. I appreciate that. I receive that. Okay. That's an action. Now, that action, when it becomes repeated, when we're able to build up an action of receiving, a gesture, an assertion, a, a movement towards us that is positive like that, and we receive in, a, in an ongoing way, it builds up a capacity. So says Father Noonan. And this capacity to receive is what he calls, I am receptive to receiving. I am receptive to receive. So we move from an act of receiving to an attitude of receiving. It becomes our way of relating. This is an important growth. This is a very important growth where, where there is a sense of um, a capacity, an attitude. It's a disposition. We now have a disposition that we bring with us out into the world. I am receptive to receive. So that's where you heard me say the word receptivity. When we mature in our own human capabilities, our human development, and then let's bring that into spiritual development, that's this attitude of the Blessed Mother, fiat, let it be done to me. I am open to receive God's word coming towards my life. I am open to receive God's initiative coming into my being. When we pray, the fundamental disposition of praying is connected to receptivity, the capacity to receive from God the capacity to receive a grace from God, a communication with God, from God, the capacity to receive God himself. That's the being disposed, being uh, available, being um, uh, receptive to the Lord's coming to us. And uh, that is, that is a definite and such an important stage for us to want to get to, okay? But it's not the deepest stage. Well, where do you go from the neediness of receive me, receive me, please notice me, give me attention, please acknowledge me, to know the healthier I receive in that action. It's hard. I'm not accustomed to it. I don't always do that. It's not yet built into me. To the attitude of I'm receptive to receive. Well, what else is there? What's deeper than I'm receptive to receive? And the answer is I am receptive to being received. I am receptive to being received. So this is, this is a, the most profound level of receptivity because this is now, not only am I receptive to have the Lord coming into my life and speaking his word into my life, but I'm allowing the Lord who breaks into my life, not only am I receptive to receiving him, but I'm receptive to then allow his word to move me into what he has for me next. Did you get that? That's the receptivity that is the availability, the docility to be led into the expression of who I am, the, the going out into the world of what it is the Lord would have me do. It's mission. I'm receptive to receive my identity. I'm receptive to being received into my mission. Are you tracking with me? This is incredible stuff that I've learned, again, from Father Mark Noonan. He is not making this stuff up. He's drawing out the riches of the scriptures and our tradition when it comes to understanding spiritual development in a way that connects to human development. So authentic, healthy human beings are receptive to receive. I'm receptive to receive you. I'm open to receive you like at coffee and donuts, here we go. Or at some social setting, here comes so-and-so. Oh no, this person is kind of broken. This person is socially awkward. This person is just annoying. This person I don't really care for. But am I receptive to receive this person? 
that is a beautiful thing to be able to receive someone that you don't maybe necessarily like or enjoy, et cetera, et cetera. But then the deeper thing is, are you receptive to being received into relationship with them? Are you receptive to, to actually going deeper and, and allowing that person to be part of your life? Are you receptive to being received into this ongoing connection with that person? Wow. This is profound stuff. This is real mature development. Okay. Let's now apply that theme to our understanding of the spiritual life. And we're going to talk about creation, we'll talk about redemption, and we'll talk about sanctification. We'll talk about the world that all is gift. We'll talk about that reality that we are desperate and we are led through death to come to life. And we'll talk about it in relationship to the way in which we are empowered to fulfill the call that is ours. Those three moments of discipleship as connected to as connected to receptivity. So, okay, let's start then. Let's connect this these concepts of I receive, I'm receptive to receiving and I'm receptive to being received. And let's lap, let's map it out to our own existence, our own lives. Let's start with creation. So, if you think about it from that standpoint of receiving or receptivity, guess what? Your first action was not something that you caused. It was you being caused by another. You were created. Being created is the fundamental situation of your existence. You hear John Paul II frame this as the gift message, right? That that first meaning of gift, that you are a gift, you don't just receive gifts and have gifts, but you are a gift, is down at that foundational ground level, that all that you are, all that you have, your very existence is received from God as a gift. And so that reality, that reality of, wow, my very existence is something that I have received, shows you how deep, how fundamental is this dynamic of encounter, the divine initiative, and you see the impact of receiving from God. The first instance of this is in your very existence. And what we want to do, and what I'm going to encourage you to do, is to realize that that's not something that God did once and for all in the past, and now it is a dist- it's at a distance from your reality. What I mean is that we sort of take it for granted that we exist and don't realize that being, existing in any moment is because of the divine initiative. You encounter the activity of God in any and every moment it's available to you because your existence is not something that is just a factual thing that you are to take for granted. I think, sadly, that's our consciousness. At a conscious level, we can't even imagine the idea that our existence is something that is dependent upon another. It's dependent upon God. We just literally, literally take it for granted that we are here. And it's the eyes of faith, it is the gift of faith, that gives us the awareness, the consciousness that being, being here now, being aware that we are here now in a world that is full of marvels and wonders is an astonishing thing. That to be, just to be, is is a miracle of God's grace. It's a miracle of God's interaction with us in life. So at at a very like again, foundational level, you live from that mode of reception, of of receiving. Receiving the gift of your own existence is an encounter with God's divine initiative in your regard. So that's something to pray for. Pray for the eyes to see. Pray for the sensitivity in your heart that 
when you wake up in the morning, you come back into consciousness, alertness when you're awake, that you do so with eyes that are fresh to see, a fresh set of eyes regarding the, the marvel, the, the wonder, the astonishment of your own existence. I know that sounds a little bit poetic or maybe a little bit philosophical. Um, yes, yes and yes. But the eyes of faith will draw upon this contemplative attitude, this attitude of pondering, wondering, standing in front of. And so um, it, there's so much more I could say about that, just that very first experience of creation, of being created, that you are this gift. And that the, the first and fundamental and, and forever aspect of your own existence is that it is received. It is received by you as a gift. And so acknowledge that gift with tremendous gratitude, with honoring God, God, how do I ever thank you for the gift of simply being, being alive, being of living? That was uh, Abraham Heschel in his book, Who is Man, said, if you focus on the concept of being, it's too abstract, it's too uh, distant, it's too conceptual, mental. He said, focus on living. When you recognize that there's a vitality in, in you, a vibrancy in you, to be is to be alive, is to be living. And when you, when you have that sense of the verve and the vitality, the vibrancy of life, how can you be anything but grateful? In this Holy Week, let's pray for that. Let's pray for a recovery of the gift of being alive in the presence of the living God who is life. All right, when we come back, I'm going to move on to the second level and the second layer of this receptivity, this this receiving from God is also going to be a being willing to be received into. And we're going to learn more about that in just a minute. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. It's Holy Week. It's Wednesday of Holy Week. And I am breaking open the theme I started yesterday. And that theme was the concept of sacraments are associated with two fundamental themes that are foundational for living well as a human being, but living well as a person of faith. I'm drawing upon the insights of Cardinal Ratzinger in his book, The Divine Project, and I've already summarized it, and I'll summarize my summary by saying, sacraments are a sign of an encounter with God who takes the initiative to approach us, and we are receivers. We are ones who receive. And how that theme that is so present in the sacraments is actually rel related to the fundamental concept of simply being alive. The gift of being alive is a sense of receiving. I could go further into it. I'll mention this just in passing before I move to the second level or layer of the way in which these three moments in the dynamism of faith are connected to the encounter with the living God and receiving and being willing to be received into God's mission for our lives. And so I'll talk about redemption and sanctification. But one last little comment, and that is when you want to ponder more fully the gift of your own existence, you can trace it back to the first experience that you have of your own sense of being a self, being an I, I, Tom, that, that sense of an, a personal uh, an ego, but not in the, the negative sense, that, that the personhood is itself given as a gift. And Hansers von Balthasar draws upon this, and, and it's something that you hear echoes of as well in Cardinal Ratzinger's writings. It's that the smile of the mother awakens in the child the sense of being a self. I am addressed in love by you. The smile of the mother is what beckons the sense of self, the eye of the baby, into its own sense of awareness. 
So even that sense of the baby being a self is beckoned forth, is called forth, is received as a gift by the loving smile of the mother. And that is the, that's the, the first and foundational experience that a human being has that's going to live a healthy life is the loving smile of the mother. And then those around the baby that um, engage in loving ways towards that child is what causes that child to flourish. Okay, so that's just a, a further theme that we could explore more fully, but we don't have time today. So let's move forward from that sense of the very gift of your existence, existence as a gift, is connected to the theme of encountering the initiative of God in your regard in a way that's going to transform you, and you simply receive it as a gift. Okay. The second is that moment of, um, of entering into the redemptive work of Jesus. You see, God not only created you, but what we celebrate in the sacred triduum is the passion, the redeeming passion of Jesus Christ. That is called the Paschal Mystery, right? The mystery of Easter, the mystery of passing over from death to life. And so that's Jesus undergoing his passion, right? He celebrates the, the, the Last Supper, the, the Passover meal, which he makes now the meal of the new covenant. And he anticipates his sacrificial death on the cross the following day when he undertakes the path of the passion, and, and he walks those stations of the cross. He walks those mysteries, those sorrowful mysteries of the rosary, and undergoes uh, his death on the cross on Good Friday. He descends among the dead in Holy Saturday, and then he rises from the dead on Easter morning. That's uh, the passing over, the Paschal mystery, which culminates in Jesus after 40 days of appearing, he then ascends into heaven. He returns to the Father. So that's the, the mystery, the, the holy events of Jesus passing over from death to life. And in doing so, he walks that path on our behalf, in our place, and for our sake. He walks that path on our behalf. He doesn't do it for himself. He does it on our behalf. He does it in our place because we'd never be able to do it on our own. And he does it for our sake. For the sake of what? Elevating us out of the bondage that is associated with sin and the ultimate consequences of sin, separation from God eternally in the fires of hell, which is separation from God. And instead, reunites us, reconciles us to God, but in doing so elevates us beyond our creaturely status so that we share in God's own divine life. We share in the very life of God. That, my friends, is something that we not only receive as a gift, right? We don't cause our elevation into being children of God. We don't make that happen. We are drawn into it through baptism, right? We are immersed, literally, in the water, immersed. As we are immersed in the very life of Christ, as we are immersed in his passion and death and resurrection, so that we come out, we go into the water as creatures of God, we come out as children of God, crying out, Abba, Father, with his spirit, again, given to us as a gift. We receive, we receive, we receive. But today as we're pondering the mystery of the sacred three days, the holy, the, the sacred triduum, we are reflecting on the way in which we are being asked not just to receive this mystery in our lives, remember now that capacity to receive, but we're being invited, we're being invited to be received into this mystery at a whole other level. I want you to hear this, that the mystery of Christ's redemptive work is something that he first of all asks us to receive. It's for us. It's given to us. We encounter God's desire to extend mercy and transforming power so that we would share in his divine life. That's how much he loves us. That's his will and plan. We, are we open to receive such a gift? Yes. Yes, Lord, I receive. But then, and this is what I want to ponder with you today, there's another level. 
There's that next level. There's that level that takes us beyond the mere reception of our new identity, our new identity as children of God, but we are called upon to join in that work of Christ. Are you ready to be received into the redeeming work of Christ, this this sacred triduum? In these days that come, are you willing to be led into, to be drawn into, to be received into Christ's passion and death on the cross? Not at the point where you would choose, like, Lord, I want to be Veronica on the path of the Stations of the Cross. I want to be able to wipe your face and receive that amazing gift of the miraculous image impressed upon the veil of Veronica. That's, that's where I want to be. But, Lord, if, I, if I'm going to be drawn into that mystery further, well, I guess I'm willing to be Simon. Well, maybe John. First of all, I'll be John. That's how I like, yeah, I pick John. I want to be the one who is kind of with the Blessed Mother all along and then gets to receive her into my home from Jesus on the cross and be called the beloved disciple. Yes, that's the victory lap. I'll, I'll be John. What, a, what if Jesus says, no, no, no. Be Simon, Simon of Cyrene. I want you to come and accompany me on the path of the cross that I'm going to walk. Or how about I'm going to draw you into my own walking of the passion. Wow. Did you hear that? I'm going to draw you in. You who are a member of my body through baptism, I'm going to draw you into the mystery of my own suffering and death on the cross. I'm going to bring you through that redemptive mystery. Why? Why did Jesus do it for us? Remember, he did it in our place, for our, on our behalf, and for our sake. If he's going to draw us into it, he's going to draw us into it, not, not only for our own sake, but guess what? For the sake of those we love. For the sake of others whom God loves. And we'll undergo it in their place, on their behalf, for their sake. Remember, this is not just something that we now receive for ourselves. This is something that the Lord would have us be drawn into for the sake of others. That's living. That's living a missionary life connected with redemptive suffering. There we go. It's suffering that redeems. It's being drawn into the mystery in a way that will be fruitfully used by God for the salvation of other souls. Are you ready to be received into that? Whoa. Let's pick up on this theme in a minute. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern. I'm talking about, the, again, this fundamental structure of our life of faith. We don't ponder it sufficiently that it's based upon the Lord taking an initiative to come to our lives where we, he encounters us. We have an encounter with the living God. We have an encounter with Jesus Christ, the living Lord, who breaks in, breaks open our lives in order to empty us out and fill us to overflowing by drawing us into our new identity as his children and asking us, are you ready to be received into the work of redemption that I have planned for the world and I have a part for you to play? I want to use your life to make manifest to the world my redeeming work. Yesterday I talked about what happened to Lazarus. Lazarus, are you ready to have this sickness that has come upon you? Are you ready to allow the Lord to use that to have you be received into the particular role and mission that the Lord has for your life? And that mission is, guess what? to be healed of the sickness? No, to be willing to die. Are you ready to die? And in dying, are you ready to be dead? Are you ready to be entombed? Are you ready to receive an encounter with the Lord that happens only by you being ready to be received into death and there to be dead for four days? Whoa. Well, he underwent that. Jesus raised him from the dead. And remember now, remember what I said yesterday. His very existence became a sign, a wonder, 
a miracle. He didn't have to go perform signs. He was a sign. He was a sign of what happens when someone says yes to Jesus, when someone allows themselves to have Jesus come in and encounter them in a dimension and at a level that is astonishing. And so he became an astonishing sign through his very existence. And what happens to him? People not only want to kill Jesus, they want to kill him. It says the Pharisees, this is what it said in the gospel. Pharisees wanted to kill Lazarus because people seeing him and interacting with him are interacting with a miracle, a wonder. And in doing so, they, they become converted. Do you want that for your life? Are you ready to have that happen for your life? Are you ready to become a sign and a wonder? We need people today willing to become signs and wonders. We need people willing today to say, Lord, I'm ready to be received into whatever you have for me in life. That, that is not easy. That is incredibly challenging and difficult. Are you ready to be received into what the Lord has for you? And when that means that your very existence becomes a prophetic challenge to their entire way of looking at life. Wow. I have to let you know that if you're Catholic, you today are being invited by the Lord to be an astonishing prophetic message to the wider world that's around you. Just do nothing but be Catholic in how you live your life and you will be a prophetic, not welcomed message to our time. You don't have to do anything, but just be Catholic. You be Catholic today out loud. You be Catholic today and you be someone who lives with integrity the message that says life begins at conception and it ought to be protected and nurtured and that uh, abortion involves the destruction, the slaughter of innocent human lives in the wombs of their mothers. Whether or not that woman acknowledges herself to be a mother or acknowledges that there's a baby in her womb that is what is at stake, and that is what is happening, and it must be stopped. No, no, wait a minute. That's, that's passive. We must stand against it. We must stand for women who are in crisis pregnancies. We must bring light into the darkness of those whose lives have brought them to that place where they are now facing a terrible, terrible circumstance that would lead them to slaughter the baby in their wombs. It's terrible. Who's going to stand for the innocent little ones in public school who are being exposed to devastating images, conversation topics that's tearing away the latency period of a beautifully, naively innocent stage in their lives where young people shouldn't have to, don't have to think, about issues of sexual identity, sexual activity, uh, the, the sexual dimension of their beings, that's just being stripped away. And in the way that older kids are being introduced into confusing, cleverly confusing, destroy, destructive, emotionally, psychologically damaging ways, uh, paths of thinking about their own sense of sexual identity, rather than helping them to flourish as boys and girls, as God made them, male and female. Not this transgender demonic ideology that is destroying lives and leading parents to handering over what's happening to their little boy or their little girl and what are they supposed to do and what are the the, the social workers and counselors saying to them that's leading these poor, innocent kids into devastating emotional traumas, devastating and destructive tendencies and paths for their lives. Who's going to stand up? 
Who's going to who's willing to be led into the front lines of that battle? It's a lot easier to be comfortable, to be passive, to just consume uh, content coming from televisions. It's so much easier, isn't it? To just do that because it's, I don't know, it's satisfying. It's, it's soft. It's pleasant. Why, why, why do I want the difficult and the hard? Why, why do I want that? Am I willing to be led into that? Am I willing to be led into places where my reputation will be at risk, where my job might be at stake, where the peaceful interaction with my family members will be probably lost, where I put at risk the ability to stay in easy relationships with my kids if they're making moral decisions that are leading them into darkness and bondage, no matter what they believe about what they're doing, will I maintain a standard that is based on God's word, God's truth, the teaching of the church, when that's at stake? Where are we going to find the courage of our convictions? Where are we going to find the strength of our faith? This leads me to the third moment. I talked about the moment of creation, the gift of your existence that you've received, whether or not you acknowledge it. And then there's the the gift of redemption. And have we received it, but then are we willing to be received into it at another level? Well, we'll probably quickly come up against the powerlessness that we face to really enter into that passion And so there's that third moment. What's the third moment? It's that moment of sanctification. It's that moment of empowerment. It's the moment of Pentecost. It's the moment of the Holy Spirit now, the gift from God being communicated to us, being given to us, not just revealed to us, but communicated, filling us to overflowing, coming as fire, coming as a mighty wind, coming with gifts lavished upon us so that we would have power to bring this gospel to the ends of the earth. Are you ready to receive God's power? Have you received God's power? Are you ready to allow the Holy Spirit, the power of God and the gift of God to be released within you in a whole new way, at a whole new dimension? Are you ready to say, Lord, Bring me my own personal Pentecost. Release within me the gift of my Pentecost. Release within me the power of my baptism and confirmation and the gifts, Holy Spirit, that you have come to give. Be released within me, O Holy Spirit of God, the power that you are to renew my life and renew the earth. I say yes, Holy Spirit. There's so much more to say about that moment and then to talk about the way that we are having this line of living, this trajectory of living undermined, especially through technology and through smartphones. I'll talk about that tomorrow and lead into the sacred triduum. Thanks so much for walking with me today. God bless you. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.